One of the most important prophecies for all of us to understand is Daniel's 70 weeks. It foretells the event marking the beginning of the final seven years to the second coming of Jesus Christ and Armageddon. This is just ahead of us now, folks. And I'll explain this entire prophecy on this edition of The End Time Show. Good afternoon, everybody. I am Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of The End Time Show. And wow, there's just a few events that are prophetic going on in the world today, right? I mean, uh, balloons being shot down you know, over the United States and uh, China spying on us and, and uh, world religions, world governments, uh, what's going on in Israel, in the Middle East, potential for World War III. I mean, you name it the increase in LGBTQ lifestyles in our world today, all of that is prophetic. And so we certainly are keeping everybody on top of that, doing the best we can, because we're, all, we're way off into the end time. And I, I know that I talked to a lady just uh, south of me, a neighbor of mine. I just moved into a house in October, and she told me, she said, hey, eschatology is one of my favorite subjects. And I said, well, I happen to know somebody who knows something about that. She lives just south of me. And so um, there's a lot of things going on, and a lot of people are wanting to know about it right now. But the reason for my show today, number one, is one of the guys that called in on Friday's open line program. But also, I went through several websites over the last couple days of people who are trying to explain Daniel's 70 weeks. And wow, all I have to say is wow. There's a lot of different teachings out there on Daniel's 70 weeks. Some of them are claiming to know exactly to the day when, uh, how old Jesus was uh, when he was crucified. And even though the Bible doesn't tell us that, but yet they claim because of Daniel 70 weeks and the timeline and everything that they've got it all figured out. And I mean, it, it was just a lot of stuff. And so I thought, man, I really probably ought to do a program on that because a lot of things will be set in motion prophetically, these events, once this uh, Daniel 70th week is, is set in motion. And so I wanted to just, I wanted to just kind of really go over, analyze this prophecy, make sure you understood it, and then uh, perhaps this Friday we can have some Q&A on it, whatever we want to do and then go from there. So, they, and this would be a good program for you to get your uh, ink pen and your notepad ready. So that way you can have all the scriptures and finally understand this. So, the Bible prophesies a peace agreement will be reached between the Israelis and the Palestinians. I've seen people who teach that it's, it's the Pope put out this seven-year uh, Laudato Sea plan and that that has started the final seven years. That's simply a misinterpretation of Scripture. It's not the Pope that will confirm the, the covenant with many for a seven-year period. The Bible is very specific that the Antichrist will do that and that it will be between the Israelis and the Palestinians. So, 
when this Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement is reached, it will trigger a seven-year period that will culminate at the Battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ. There is a seven-year period coming. It's Daniel's 70th week. And it is not a seven years of tribulation. The tribulation only lasts the final three and one half years. So we'll get into all that today because, again, there's so much teaching of this on the Internet that if you go start reading all the websites, you're just going to be, it's, you're going to be so confused you don't know which ends up. So some of the provisions of this coming peace agreement will be a, and these are the characteristics if you want to write them down. There are many of them, but these are the things that we will look for. There's going to be a Palestinian state created in Judea, which would commonly be referred to as the West Bank today. Jews presently living in that, in that area of the new Palestinian state will be permitted to stay there living as a, let's say, a Jewish minority there under that Palestinian government. The Temple Mount is going to be placed under a sharing arrangement between Jews and Muslims, and Israel will be allowed to build her third temple without disturbing the Dome of the Rock or the Al-Aqsa Mosque. There are Jews that are willing to do that today. Very influential Jews. I've talked to them. The international community is going to supervise that sharing arrangement. Just like in the original partition plan, they wanted Israel to be, or I should say Jerusalem, to be an international city. And the Holy Basin, uh, supervised by the United Nations, it's going to be a scenario just like that. It's been in the works this whole time. Negotiations concerning the status of Jerusalem are going to reach an impasse. And therefore, a final agreement on this issue on Jerusalem will be postponed for that seven-year period with the understanding that uh, it will be dealt with at that time. And in the interim, Israel will retain control of Jerusalem all the way throughout. They're going to say, hey, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's, let's leave Jerusalem till the end, but let's get everything else settled on and just finally get an agreement done. It's an interim agreement. It's going to be a seven-year agreement. So the Jewish temple is going to be completed during the first three and one-half years of that final seven-year agreement. And when the temple is completed, Jews will begin to offer animal sacrifices just as they did before the destruction of the second temple in 70 AD. With it back through the temple and the tabernacle plans and all throughout the Old Testament, these sacrificial um, animals that were for the atonement for sin. Blood had to be, a sh to be shed for the atonement for sin. So, the killing of animals every morning and every evening, of course, uh, as the Jewish scriptures dictate, even though we're not, we don't abide by that today because Jesus Christ was our ultimate sacrifice. However, Jews that still have the mindset they live under the law believe they need these animal sacrifices. So, killing of animals every morning and every evening, it's going to be met with opposition, right? I mean, the animal rights activist... We've talked about it many times. They're going to be incensed by what they view as this barbaric religious practice that has no place in the modern world, right? Even though in Michigan, they just approved it. There was one city in Michigan that just approved Muslims to sacrifice goats for religious regions. But when it comes to Jews, it seems like people are, uh, have a little less tolerance, wouldn't you say? I mean, anti-Semitism is on the rise in the world. So imagine when these Jews 
start sacrificing animals every morning and every evening. Oh man, they're going to have to stop that right at all cost. So these demonstrations against the sacrifices are going to escalate. And these placards, these signs will read, animals have rights to, uh, you know, um, we've got to stop this barbarism in the 21st century. And since the international community is going to have responsibility of supervising the Temple Mount, pressure will mount for the sacrifices to stop. And so I'm laying out a scenario for you today of what's going to happen when this final seven years starts. What's going to start it? And then now on today's program, we're going to go through all the verses, analyze them, show how they're going to come to pass in the near future so you understand this prophecy. They that understand what is taking place will instruct many. Except a man is born again, he can enter or see the kingdom of God. I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself, you are essential. You still matter. This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is, that's where our reward is. End time is not going anywhere. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time understand how you fit in and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to intime.com slash future or call 800 in time. That's 800-363-8463. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the end of the age television and radio programs is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end-time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or visit endtime.com slash events for more information. Well, welcome back, everybody. And, and I, I've got something special that we're going to do here very quickly, and then I'll get back into the lesson. But you understand the earthquakes that have happened in Turkey. I think the death toll now is just over 35,000 people. Well, you know that we have worked with the Jewish Agency for years now, and we have provided money, many of our partners have, to help Jews that have been like in the Ukrainian-Russian situation when, they, when Russia invaded Ukraine. We helped get a lot of Jews back, helped them make Aliyah. We've helped with a lot of different uh, projects over in Israel with the Rambam Hospital, a lot of things. But, and so when we brought needs before you, you have been very kind to respond. Well, there's another need. Um, the, and of course, the Jewish Agency, we, End Time Ministries partners with 
people who we know where the money goes. The Jewish agency was created many years before Israel was ever created to be a nation in 1948. And they were bringing Jews back to Israel prior to 1948. So they've been around for decades and decades. So we know where the money goes. And that's a big thing when you're going to donate money. However, there are, we talked to Devorah Ganani, who's our liaison with the Jewish agency, worked there for years. They dedicated a room in the Jewish agency to my father-in-law when he passed. And she told us that there are 10 elderly Jewish couples in the community of Antakya. Their houses were so terribly damaged that they had to completely, they've lost everything. These 10 elderly Jewish families are living, they've been moved to a nursing home so they could receive care. Many of them were injured. And again, like I say, they've lost everything. So the Jewish agency reached out to us wanting to know if we could help them with these things. And believe me, the money goes where they say it's going to go. So if you wanted to donate to that, this, again, it's 10 elderly Jewish families. And the, the, the Jewish agency has, keeps track of Jewish families around the world. And so they're trying to help these folks just to get back on their feet. And if you wanted to, to respond to that, you could go to endtime.com forward slash turkey to donate to that. And then also, we have a, a missionary in Israel that works with us. He called me last night to say that he has a family that he worked with when he was in Turkey for 15 years. They saved 5,000 Muslims when he was in Turkey for, for 15 years. Imagine the scope of that. Well, he had a family that they worked with there that reached out to him. The husband and wife and their children made it out safe. His mother and father, he, they just yesterday dug the mother and father out of the rubble. The mother survived. It appears that the father did not survive. And they have, come again, they've lost everything. They have nothing. They were, uh, they're building fires in the street to try to get food wherever they can. It's horrific. Imagine, in 911, there were about 3,000 people killed. Well, this death toll in Turkey is now over 35,000. People are relocating. They've completely lost everything. I mean, there were thousands of buildings destroyed. And so this Christian family has contacted our missionary in Israel who used to live in Turkey and said, hey, we have nowhere to go. Is there any help you could give us? Our Christian missionary said, hey, you know, I've got a little bit of money. I'm going to try to give it to them. And I said, look, we probably could go on the air and ask and see if somebody wanted to help with that. So to donate to the, the Jews that are displaced, there's 10 families. Devorah was very specific. It's not this hundreds of thousands of people. She said, I know of 10 specific Jewish families that have been completely displaced. They have nothing. And this one Christian family. And the total need is about $300,000. Uh, and because imagine trying to help somebody completely relocate. They have, they don't even, all they have is clothes on their back. And so they're trying to help these people relocate, get some housing, food, everything. They have zero. And so... If you'd like to help with that, again, it's no pressure. But we always like to help these people in times of need. Uh, and again, endtime.com forward slash turkey if you'd like to donate to that. Very, very important need uh, right now. These people are totally devastated. You can only imagine. And we certainly do thank you for that. And I know God will bless you as well. Now, 
Uh, let's see, where were we at? So, okay, uh, the sacrifices have been stopped. We're three and a half years into this final seven-year period. By the time, um, by this time, there's going to be a very charismatic world politician uh, who will have gained recognition as the leader of the international community. And since he will have participated in the peace agreement that allowed for the building of Israel's third temple, speculation will be circulating that, hey, perhaps he could be the Messiah. The Jews believe that the Messiah will bring peace, right? So the pressure, and again, the Antichrist will confirm the covenant with many. Not, not the Pope. It's very important you understand that. The pressure to resolve the dispute over the sacrifices are going to fall on his shoulders. This world leader, who the Bible calls the Antichrist, will order the sacrifices stopped. He's going to explain that, hey, you don't need these sacrifices anymore because I am, in fact, the Messiah. He's going to claim to be God. The Bible says that he will make this declaration from the Temple Mount. And this event is called the abomination of desolation when he will stand in that temple proclaimed to be God. Now, the abomination of desolation will, it, halfway through that final seven-year period, and I'm going to show you this in Scripture in just a moment from Daniel 9, 24 through 27, Daniel's 70 weeks, the abomination of desolation will trigger an outbreak of violence by the Palestinians against those Jews that have remained in that newly formed Palestinian state out in the modern-day West Bank. Jesus said that this outbreak of violence would be the beginning of the Great Tribulation, the final three and one-half years. Get that. I know every website I went on just about said that there's a seven years of Great Tribulation. There's not one verse in the Bible for that. There is a final seven years, but the Great Tribulation only lasts that final three and one-half years. So the Jews living out in Judea as, as a minority... They will have to flee for their lives or be slaughtered. Jesus talked about that in Matthew 24. Let them which be in Judea flee when you see this abomination of desolation occur. So the Antichrist is then going to persecute all on earth who will not pledge allegiance to his emerging world government system. And this time called the Great Tribulation will continue for the next three and one half years. When the seven-year term of peace, this peace agreement expires the Palestinians and the international community are going to demand that Israel surrender East Jerusalem to become the capital of the Palestinian state. Israel is going to refuse and the international community under the UN flag will invade Israel to force compliance. That's going to be the Battle of Armageddon. Israel is going to fight against the invading armies at the, of the Antichrist and his world government, but the Bible calls this war the Battle of Armageddon. It's Revelation 16. He gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. And Israel's going to slowly but surely fall back before the superior firepower of the world government forces. And finally, Israel's going to make her stand right there in the capital, Jerusalem. Half of Jerusalem is going to fall before the UN forces. And it's going to appear that Israel is on the verge of being wiped off the map, right? But it's at that time Jesus will come back to the earth fight for the nation of Israel, and he's going to defeat the world-governing armies, remove the human governments, this is Revelation 11, and establish his long-promised kingdom upon the earth. So, we all want to understand... Now, that's a big scenario. That's an end-time scenario that should just roll off your tongue because you're going to have to explain these things 
to your friends, family, and sphere of influence when you come to them someday and say, hey, the final seven years just begun. And they're going to say, what are you talking about? Well, we want you to understand the prophecy. So I'm going to get, I'm going to go, I'm going to get very detailed here today. So again, grab your ink pen and your notepad because you're going to be writing down some notes. Now, it's easy to just sit here and to assert that all of these events are going to come to pass. I mean, maybe I made all this up, right? Well, I can tell you I didn't. So how can we prove what this scenario that I've just given you, how can I prove that using the Scriptures? Well, this very important prophecy of the coming peace agreement is given in Daniel 9, verses 24 through 27. There's four verses here. And it says this. The Lord, Daniel's writing this when he's in Babylonian captivity, and the Lord says, Daniel, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people, the Jewish people, and upon the holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins. You'll want to write these down. Of course, you can go just copy and paste it from your the, a Bible app or whatever, but... Uh, they're going to, it's, it's 70 weeks are going to do this, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. That's verse 24. 25 says, Now, Daniel, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem, Unto the Messiah, the Prince, which we know as Jesus Christ, shall be seven weeks, three score and two weeks, and the street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublous times. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the Prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And then this is verse 27. The Bible says, And he, the he there is not the Pope. The he there is not Antiochus Epiphanes. The he there is the Antichrist. I'm going to show you that in a minute. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, a seven-year period. Well, I'll prove that to you. And in the midst of that week, three and a half years in, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. You say, what in the world are you talking about? It's Daniel 9, verses 24 through 27. And it, it's a famous prophecy. And it's referred to as, by many prophecy teachers, correctly as Daniel's 70 weeks. That's absolutely correct but it could be more accurately described as Daniel's 70 weeks of years or a 490-year prophecy. But it's divided into three sections. There are two gaps. So in the NIV translation, it says this, 77s are decreed upon your people. The New Century Version says, God has ordered 490 years for your people. So this prophecy of Daniel 9.27 foretold the events of 
Jewish history that would occur over a period of, or I should say of Daniel 9, 24 through 27, goes through the events of Jewish history that would occur over a period of a 490 years. Not a consecutive 490 year period. If you try to figure it out like that, you're going to be, you're going to be really messed up. There are gaps. It's separated into three sections. But it will be 490 years, but it could, be, it could span a couple thousand years or more, right? So, this will become clear as, as we're going to dive into this prophecy today. There's one other thing that we have to notice in order to understand Daniel's 70 weeks. The prophecy is given in three segments. It's a uh, seven weeks of years or a 49 years. So 49 years and then there's going to be a gap. We don't know how long the gap is. And then there's going to be um, 62 weeks of years, which is 434 years. And then there's going to be another gap. And then there's going to be a week of years, seven years. That seven years is just ahead of us now in, in history. Now, um, or I should say on a timeline, the prophecy is given this way because there are, like I said, there are gaps between the 49 years, the 434 years, and the final seven years. Verse 25, I'm in Daniel 9.25 now. It tells us when the 490 years are going to begin. It states that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto the Messiah would be seven weeks of years and then a 62 weeks of years a 49-year period, and then a 434-year period. So in other words, from the commandment to rebuild Jerusalem to the Messiah would be 483 years plus the length of the gap between the 49 years and the 434 years. Now, you say, wow, Dave, I, I'm, I'm, I'm lost. Well, here's what I'll do. If you email me, drobbins at endtime.com, d-r-o-b-b-i-n-s at endtime.com, I'll send you a copy of my notes today because I want you to understand this prophecy. Because I know some of the radio stations are only do the first 30 minutes. I want you guys to get the whole thing because it's very, very important. So, what do we know? Well, the first temple and the city of Jerusalem were destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians back in uh, 586 B.C. And the order allowing the Jews to rebuild Jerusalem was given by the Persian king Cyrus in 538 B.C. And this is when the prophecy begins. The order to go forth and rebuild Jerusalem. And so you can see it's a very detailed prophecy, but once you're able to walk down through here, then you can say, oh man, I finally understand this. And since I went through so many websites and I thought, man, if everybody's just going to reading these websites, wow, their head is probably swimming. So I wanted to make sure we walk down through here today and then I'm offering you my notes. drobbins at endtime.com because I want to make sure you get this. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ part two. The late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME 
or go to endtime.com. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. All right, everybody, we're going to have to move to get through this prophecy. So, again, I'm offering my notes, drobbins at endtime.com. Shoot it to me. I'll reply with a copy of my notes. So make sure you get this prophecy. So the order allowing the Jews to rebuild Jerusalem was given by the Persian king Cyrus in 538 B.C., and that's when the prophecy begins. Then verse 25 clearly states that the coming of Messiah would mark the end of of that 483 years, along with the gap, right? So, the, let's, let's talk about the gap between the 483 years and the seven years. Notice that after the 483 years, two things are prophesied to happen. You say, well, Dave, how do you know there's going to be a gap? That's my point here. Well, if you notice that after that 483 years, Two things are prophesied to happen. Messiah was to be cut off and Jerusalem was to be destroyed. Verse 26, <clears throat> um, of course, Jesus Christ was crucified, right? Cut off. That would uh, pretty much um, qualify for being cut off, right? Jesus was crucified. So around um, that happened around 30 A.D. And then Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 A.D. And yet the final seven years of the prophecy contained in verse 27 has not even begun yet. So there's obviously a gap between the 483 years and the final seven years. We know that for sure. So why is there a gap? If, if there's a gap there, then it lets us know there's a gap between the first 49 years and then 434 years. You've got to understand that there's a gap. I saw many websites where they try to cram it all together and say, no, it's only 490 years. And, but that's simply not the case. There are two gaps in between three sections here. God, it's very important you understand that. Why is there a gap? And how big is the gap? Well, the gap is because the Jews as a whole rejected Jesus as their Messiah. Consequently, God turned to the Gentiles... I'm not talking about replacement theology because I've got Jewish friends that are saved today. Okay? I don't, I don't believe in replacement theology. But God did, if you read the New Testament, God did turn mainly, the Bible says the Jews are blinded in part right now, a majority of them. So God turned mainly to the Gentiles to take a bride for his name's sake. 
Now, this is Bible 101, okay? You, I mean, I'm, I'm going to cover some things that we may need to talk about later on even. But, um, you know, it just this is a Bible study for you. But this began what Scripture calls the times of the Gentiles. The Apostle Paul described it when he was talking in Romans 11.25. Um, he said, For I would not, brethren, that you, be, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel. Not all of Israel is blind. Again, I have Jewish friends that are saved today. They've been born again, like Jesus told Nicodemus. But the Apostle Paul said, Blindness in part hath happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. From our present perspective, we know this gap to be around from Jerusalem being destroyed until the final seven years begins. <clears throat> this second gap in Daniel's 490-year prophecy, it's about 2,000 years. The gap will continue until the signing of this coming Palestinian-Israeli peace agreement. That's why it's so important you understand this prophecy. If you just read down through there, man, you think, wow. But once you tie all the verses into it, you can say, wow, this is so cool. So, the final seven years of the 490-year prophecy are described in Daniel 9.27. And that verse contains the prophecy of this Middle East peace agreement that will mark the beginning of the final seven years. So, Daniel 9.27 says, And he, the Antichrist, I'm going to prove that to you in a moment, scripturally, And he, the Antichrist, shall confirm the covenant with many, for one week. It's a seven-year period. In the midst of that week, three and one-half years in, he's going to cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, the overspreading of abominations, and he shall make it desolate, even unto the consummation, and that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. So there are several things we must understand from Daniel 9.27. Number one, and I'm going to answer these questions. Who is the he? You say, well, David, it's just easy for you to say it's the Antichrist, but how do you know? I'm going to give you scriptures. Number two, we need to understand what the covenant is. Number three, what are the sacrifices that will be stopped? Number four, what is the abomination of desolation? So I'm going to answer these four questions one at a time. Number one, who is the he in Daniel 9.27? Well, the he here does three things. Again, if you just look at Daniel 9, 24 through 27, you're going to be stuck. You're going to go, oh man, well, how in the world? How did you guys figure all that out? You've got to tie other prophecies into it that deal with the same prophecy. So, the he here does three things. Number one, he confirms the covenant. Well, the Antichrist confirms the covenant. If you look in Daniel 11, 21 through 45, it describes the actions of the Antichrist. That entire section right there, 21 through 45 of Daniel 11, it's referring to the Antichrist. So when you get to verse 21 and 22, he is called the Prince of the Covenant. That's number one. Number two, the Antichrist causes the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. The he. Well, in Daniel 11:31, the Antichrist causes the sacrifices to stop. That's clue number two. And then also in Daniel 9.27, this he places the abomination of desolation. When you go to Daniel 11.31, the Bible says the Antichrist places the abomination that makes desolate. So three clues, I mean, irrefutable. The Antichrist does all three things. 
So we have absolute proof that the he in Daniel 9.27 is the Antichrist. Okay? Oh, man, what was the next question? Um, what, what's the covenant? Well, uh, back in Genesis 15.18, it describes the covenant that God made with Abraham. And it said, in the same day that the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Hey, under Abraham, unto thy seed, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that lineage, unto thy seed have I given this promised land from the river in Egypt all the way up to the great river, the river Euphrates. And at the time of this divine promise, Abraham was in the land of Israel. And the Abrahamic covenant was God's promise to Abraham that the promised land would belong to him and his descendants, not to Ishmael, but Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and that lineage forever. That's the covenant. What is the confirming, or the, I should say the confirmation of the covenant? Well, when the Middle East peace agreement is signed, the Antichrist and the international community are going to confirm Israel's right to exist in the Holy Land. Remember, they're confirming the covenant, so they're confirming what God promised Abraham they're going to confirm his lineage and their right to exist in the Holy Land. Presently, Israel's enemies deny that Israel has a right to a homeland in the promised land, the, the land that God promised Abraham. The Antichrist is going to con and the commu international community is going to confirm their right to be there. It's the confirmation of the covenant. When the confirmation of the covenant takes place at the time of the signing of this Palestinian-Israeli peace agreement, the final seven years to the battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ will begin. You need to be able to explain this to your friends, family, and sphere of influence. Okay? What sacrifices will the Antichrist stop? Well, the Middle East peace agreement is going to place the Temple Mount under a sharing arrangement between the Jews and Muslims, and Israel, they're going to build a third temple, and Israel's going to be allowed to build um, their third temple at that time. Well, when they build the temple, animal sacrifices are going to be offered just like they did in the Old Testament. And these are the sacrifices the Antichrist will stop, probably at the urging of the, the animal rights activist at that point. What is the uh, abomination of desolation? Well, in Matthew 24, 15, Jesus said, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. This is the Olivet Discourse. Him and his disciples are up on the Mount of Olives looking down over the Temple Mount. And he says, hey, when, they, when, you, when those in the end time, towards the end of the age, when they see that event called the abomination of desolation that was spoken of by Daniel in Daniel 9, 27, and he's standing in the holy place, which is down there on the Temple Mount, he says this, he says, Whoso readeth, let him understand. A lot of people say Bible prophecy can't be understood, but that's not what Jesus taught us. Jesus knew that the people of the time of the end would be able to understand Daniel's writings and understand these things. So according to Jesus, the abomination of desolation will occur in the holy place. The holy place is in the temple or down there on the temple mount. And the apostle Paul gave more detail. He described the abomination of desolation in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3 through 4. He said, Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, what day? The second coming of Jesus Christ and our gathering together in Him, the rapture. That day shall not come except there comes a falling away first, 
and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, the Antichrist. The Apostle Paul taught specifically the coming of the Lord and the rapture would not occur until after the Antichrist was revealed. You say, whoa, 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 hold on. I thought the church was going to be raptured out prior to that. That's a whole different discussion for another day. But that's what the Apostle Paul is teaching here. The Apostle Paul was teaching against the doctrine of imminency. Okay? So, whoso opposeth and exalteth himself, uh, the Antichrist, above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he is God, sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. It's the abomination of desolation. The man of sin or the son of perdition, both refer to the end-time world leader called the Antichrist. Paul taught in 2 Thessalonians 2 that the Antichrist will stand in that temple, exalt himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, claiming to be God, when he commits this uh, blasphemous act, that will be the abomination of desolation. So in, if I were to summarize this peace agreement, because this stuff's going to happen right in the very near future. And I know there have been many agreements made already with Israel, but they were not the one. The Oslo Peace Accords, the Y River Accords, the, the uh, Camp David Accords, the, all the, every, everything that's been tried up to this point, nothing has been the agreement that started the final seven years. But we can recognize it. In Daniel 9.27, again, it prophesies that the Antichrist will confirm Israel's right to exist in the Promised Land. And that agreement will be a seven-year interim or a temporary agreement. It's not just from here on. It is from, it's going to be a temporary. The Bible tells us it's going to be seven years. And it will be temporary because the status of Jerusalem is going to be left unresolved. And then also there's going to be a creation of a Palestinian state. I know that looks impossible right now. But the tearing down of the Berlin Wall, which was prophesied in the Bible, the healing of the deadly wound, that looked impossible, didn't it? It was the symbol of the Cold War. But my father-in-law started teaching back year, like uh, back when? Mid to late 60s that the Berlin Wall would be torn down, the two Germanys would reunite, that would be the catalyst that would launch us into the New World Order. And in 1986, he wrote a book, and in 89, it came down. It looked impossible. Most of his friends said, Irvin Baxter, don't write that, but he did it anyway, because it's in the Bible, and it did come down. The Bible also prophesies a peace agreement in the near future. It looks impossible right now, but the prophecies always come to pass, folks. And these things are going to happen just right around the bend. It's being talked about in our news right now. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began the ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. 
Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. You know, everyone, a, a lot of people want to know what we follow with Israel. What news stores are you following everything in Israel? I follow everything. I'm following the, ju ju the judicial reforms, uh, the riots, the um, people protesting against it. I'm following the, 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 um, what's going on with Israel and the European, the Europeans that are trying to help the Palestinians expand their reach in the West Bank, what Israel's doing to thwart that, the new government. I'm following everything. But I'm telling you, one of the things I follow every single morning is what's going on with the peace agreement. What's Israel doing in the West Bank and this Arab situation, that this regional agreement and bringing more people onto, especially the Saudi Arabians, to on the Abraham Accords, will that lead to this Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement? Because once this peace agreement is signed, that has all the characteristics of the, the biblical peace agreement, we will, I can come on the radio and say we started the final seven years. I can't do that right now because the peace agreement hadn't been signed. But I'm telling you, this is coming. Just like all the other prophecies before it, this is coming. And wow, when I can do that, it'll be Katie bar the door at that point. Hey folks, we've got seven years left. You say, oh, End Time Ministries is going to set a date. I'm not setting a date. I'm showing you what the prophecies say here. Okay? So this peace agreement is going to provide for this Palestinian state in the West Bank. Historically and biblically, this is the area referred to as Judea. Today they call it the, the West Bank. If you listen to Netanyahu, he'll say Judea. Did not say the West Bank. When we go out into the what we would refer to as the West Bank, because it's the West Bank of the Jordan River, but our guides call it Judea. Because they're Jews. And they refer to, that's what they, historically and biblically, that's what it is. It's Judea. Now, this agreement is also going to allow Jews in Judea, they're going, they're going to remain there as that Jewish minority under that new Palestinian state. And of course we know that from uh, what Jesus said in Matthew 24, 15-18 and verse 21. He said, um, let me look it up here for you real quick. He said, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation occur, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. So, he, again, I read that to you before where he's talking about this abomination of desolation that's going to occur. But then in 16, he says, let them, when you see this abomination of desolation, when you see that event occur, Jesus is talking, again, you've got to understand he's in the Olivet Discourse. What's he talking about here? He's not talking about the Jews. It's not going to happen during the Apostles' era. It's going to happen in our era. The Apostles said, what's going to be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And so he's talking to us, and he's specifically talking to the Jews that are out in the West Bank. When you see this abomination of desolation event that Daniel spoke of in Daniel 9.27, whoso readeth, let him understand. It, he wasn't telling them, the Jews standing there with him today, to read. He's talking to us. And so he's saying, whoso reads this, let him understand. And that's why we are going to warn the Jews that are living out in the West Bank. End Time Ministries. 
We understand these prophecies. We've got a global platform. We've got a college in Jerusalem. It's the reason for all this. We are going to do the door knocking campaign and warn them people. Jesus told us you're going to have to flee. And I can take them back to Daniel 9 and then go to Matthew 24, tie it all in, and that's what the magazine, when the final seven years hits, we're going to send a magazine to every home in Israel. It's going to be warning them about what's coming. And then Jesus said, then when you see that abomination of desolation occur, when that Antichrist stands in that rebuilt Jewish temple, let them which be in Judea flee. For them will be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of, 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 the, beginning of the world to this time, no nor ever shall be. So Jesus said, when you see the abomination of desolation occur, let them which be in Judea flee into Israel proper, not down into Petra. Petra would be a suicide mission for them because Petra can house, what, 800 people. I mean, it's like very small. They're going to flee into Israel proper. The Bible says back in Zechariah that Judah will be fighting in Jerusalem at the Battle of Armageddon. They're not going to be hiding down in Petra. I know a lot of people teach that, but we want to make sure we're teaching the truth here. Read, read Zechariah. Judah will be fighting in Jerusalem, not hiding down in Petra at the Battle of Armageddon. So in this passage, Jesus is painting a picture of this end time scenario. Jesus is painting a picture about what's going to happen 2,000 years from now. And Jesus is, Jesus is helping us to understand what the, what the scenarios coming in the near future are going to be when the Jews, when this two-state solution is created, and the Jews living out there in the West Bank, they're going to have to flee. Okay? For their lives. And that event's going to launch the final three and one-half years of the Great Tribulation. And Jesus painted this scenario 2,000 years ago, and it's exactly what is presently being discussed in the ongoing peace negotiations. The Palestinians contend that the only hope for peace between them and the Israelis is a two-state solution. The international community sees that. And they claim that their state should be established in Judea. I just saw this morning where Abbas is saying, we're going to go to the United Nations and uh, appeal for a, the, a Palestinian state. This is exactly what Jesus was talking about here. The United States, the European Union, the United Nations, they all agree that the two-state solution is the only viable solution to the conflict between the Israelis and the Palestinians. Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has also embraced the two-state solution as the ultimate answer to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Now, this is what Daniel 9.27 is pointing us towards. If you, if you want to understand Daniel's 70 weeks, this final seven week is just ahead of us now, and that peace agreement between the Israelis and Palestinians, that's what starts that final seven years. Then, of course, the Temple Mount's going to be shared. Now, this is the first, uh, the, the peace agreement will allow for this. And, you know, um, outside the control of Jerusalem, the status of the Temple Mount is the most hotly disputed issue in the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Muslims claim the Temple Mount as their third holiest site after Mecca and Medina in Saudi Arabia. The Al-Aqsa Mosque and the Dome of the Rock are, are the, the big mosque and everything that's up, presently up on the, the uh, Temple Mount. However, the Jews regard the Temple Mount as their number one holy site. And their first temple stood there um, on the Temple Mount 
from what, 968 to 586 B.C. Second temple occupied the mount from 516 to 70 A.D. when the uh, Roman general Titus destroyed it. And God promised King Solomon that he would place his name there forever. And consequently, the Jews insist that their third temple has to be built up on the temple mount. So how is this intractable dispute over this 35 acres, how's that going to be resolved under a coming peace agreement? Well, of course, many of you remember back in the Camp David Peace Accords, back in 2000, Bill Clinton suggested that the Muslims and Jews would just share the Temple Mount. And uh, in past years, there's been a law that was introduced in the Israeli Knesset to place the Temple Mount under a sharing arrangement. And Prime Minister Netanyahu used his influence to delay the action under that law, hoping that the, the dispute would be settled when a peace agreement is achieved. Did you know all that was, had went on over the past few years? So the Bible prophesies that the Temple Mount will be placed under a sharing arrangement in this coming peace agreement. Uh, it's in Revelation 11, 1 and 2. John said, And there was given unto me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood and said, Hey, John, rise up, measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein, but the court which is without the temple, leave it out. Measure it not, for it's going to be given unto the Gentiles. And the holy city shall they tread underfoot for 42 months. That's that final three and a half years uh, that, it, that will be the great tribulation. So John was instructed to measure the temple and those that worship therein, but don't measure the outer court because it's going to be trodden down to the Gentiles. It's going to be under Gentile control. And this paints a picture of the Temple Mount being shared between Jews and Gentiles. And this scene is in the prophecy described. It describes the Temple Mount during that 42 months of this, the uh, final 42 months of this seven-year agreement. Of course, this is an, the Revelation 11, 1 and 2. It's another passage that lets us know that the Jewish temple is going to be built. John was told to measure the temple. You can't measure a temple if there's no temple to measure. He was told to do this when there would be 42 months left. And this lets us know the Jewish temple is going to be built and completed during the first three and one half years of that final seven year period. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 4 confirms this. It states that the Antichrist will sit in the temple of God at the time of the abomination of desolation, which will occur halfway through the final seven years. You can't sit in a temple if there's no temple to sit in. And this proves that the Jewish temple will be completed during the first three and one half years of that final seven year period. Of course, I talked to you about the animal sacrifices uh, being reinstituted and then stopped. And we know this because in, uh, if you move on down to what Daniel 9.27 prophecy, it says that the final seven years, it states the Antichrist in the middle of that final seven years will cause the sacrifices to stop, and you can't stop the sacrifices if they're not ongoing. And then, of course, we know that Daniel 11.31 says, An arm shall stand on his part, and they that pollute the sanctuary of strength shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that make it desolate. And then, of course, the Antichrist is going to commit the abomination of desolation. I talked to you guys about the Antichrist standing in a rebuilt Jewish temple proclaiming to be God. And that starts the final three and one half years that will be the great tribulation. Jesus said, when you see the abomination of desolation, 
Then let them which be in Judea flee, for then would be great tribulation. It's important that you understand the abomination of desolation happens halfway through that final seven years. That is the event that launches us into the great tribulation. I think every website that I went to say, stated that there would be a final seven years of great tribulation. There's not one verse in the Bible for that. I want to make sure that we clear that up. Because if you're going to understand Daniel 70 week, you need to understand what happens. Daniel 9.27 says that halfway through, in the midst of that week, three and a half years in, that would, the Antichrist would stand in a rebuilt Jewish temple, proclaim to be God, and take the sacrifices away. Jesus said at that event, that's when the Great Tribulation would begin. There's only three and one half years of Great Tribulation. The Bible talks about it in many places and it says uh, for the timing, time, times, and half a times. Time is one year, times is two years, half a time is half a year, three and a half years. 42 months, three and a half years. 1260 days, three and a half years. There's only three and one half years of Great Tribulation. And that happens during that final seven years. It's the last three and one half years of that leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ in the Battle of Armageddon. During that final three and one half years, that's when the Antichrist and the false prophet, his religious partner, will be ruling the, the world government and the world religion. And that's when the mark of the beast is doled out. At the end of that seven years is when the, and the Battle of Armageddon, the, the world governing armies will invade Israel. And that's when the Lord comes back to gather His church unto Him to fight on behalf of Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. And that's the final seven years. So hopefully you got the entire prophecy. I had a little bit more I could go through, but I know I'm out of time here today. Again, email me drobbins at endtime.com and I'll give you this in great detail. If you, I know you probably couldn't write fast enough, but we want to make sure you guys understand these prophecies in great detail because we're fixing to live through this in just the next few years.